Shrimp on the barbie. Shrimp, 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 shrimp on the barbie. Do you respect that? That's corruption. I could make a fake snake. Do you not pee in the pool? Do you, 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 you not pee on the barbie? All of myself is clean. <laughs> Broadcasting from the majestic peak of Mount Pilchuck, take it away, Markbot 5000. Oh my! Lineageric! This is Markbot 5000, former Cyborg War correspondent, checking in. Now to be confused with the worst play-by-play announcer of all time, Michael Cole. Welcome to the Hardmark Podcast, a show where Eric Donaldson, a wrestling fan of over 30 years, a two-time fantasy basketball champion, introduces one match for show to his co-host who has never watched wrestling they talk about the backstory they watch the match and then they rank that match on their ever-growing list is it could it be it is it's mark time the purpose of the show is to see what happens when someone that's never watched wrestling is introduced to its most notable matches and let's bring out the star of the show a guy who likes his pizza the same way as his penis Slender and cheeseless. Plain Ryan Murphy. Uh, God. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's good. That's Sl- nice. Slender and cheeseless. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> pizza like your peanut. Cheeseless. Thank you, Mark Bot. I appreciate, appreciate that. Well, at least he's not talking about your butt anymore. Or sh- are you are you really a two time fantasy basketball champion? That's true. That is true. Oh. I believe back to back years, and then we stopped doing it after that. It's a lot of work, actually. It turns out. But fantasy basketball's fucked up, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> man, you're just hitting us with a soundbite right off the bat here, Ryan. Yeah. yeah uh, it, it's so yeah. Like the thing because I'd never played any fantasy sports whatsoever, yeah. but I didn't give a fuck about football, nor do I even now. Like, I'll watch it as a social thing, but that's about it. But, uh, yeah, the whole reason that fantasy football works so well is because it's like one game at the end of the week. And so you just have to like tinker around for that. Fantasy basketball is like fucking every day. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, it's fucking stupid. Like, (laughs) even if you're a basketball fan, it's like totally fucked up. And and one thing that like is happening, I won't go too far into this. I know we got it you know, move forward. But the problem with like, I was telling one of you know, my friends who wanted to play, he's like, I was like, well, you're going to have to change your, you know, you have to change your lineup now on like Tuesday or Wednesday. Cause they have Thursday night football Sunday. And then Monday, you got, you mm-hmm. got this set of games now that, that comes. And that's even a big deal. That's only three times, you know, fantasy right. basketball is so fucking ridiculous that like, I, yeah. Have you ever just, been a fantasy baseball guy? I played it once, and then like after like two weeks, I was like, "Fuck!" I'll just let this thing roll, like see what happens. Like <laughs> that doesn't, yeah. And I, that's that all I had in me. me. Like, so I know fantasy basketball is fucked. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure baseball is worse if you play it all the way through. But Jesus, man, like to be a champion two times—that's uh, some dedication. I'm not surprised with the amount of notes you take on this show. Like, you know, do you uh, do you play fantasy football now? Yes, our drafts on Tuesday. Oh wow. My roommate's in it, and he has four drafts coming up. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. No, that's not uncommon. Either. Two or three, I would say, would be normal. Like, I just do one. Okay. Are Probably you any good? Have you ever won? Yeah. I have won. I have won once. We played for, like, ten years, so I'm not, like, great. But, you know, I've won. I've won the championship. <laughs> not a, no, no big deal. He's just a former former champion over here. The problem is, is, like, getting people to fucking pay. Like, that's always the issue. And then you got to trust the commission, like, you know, just spe- fucking bullshit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you'd be a fine commissioner one of these days. Thank you. Yeah, a regular commissioner slaughter over here. EVP of, uh, I do call myself the, uh, you know, VP of ops, VP of operations yeah, you know, around here for fantasy football. I'm the co-founder of this league. So, Oh, wow. Uh, look at that. Yeah, what's, yeah, what's the so. name of this league? I think this one is actually just the league. Um, we've had a lot of names, but the league fits because it, you know, a great show. I don't know if you watched it. Oh yeah. Um, no, I've, I'm well, you know, well so it's, it's simple. It's a go-to. It's easy. Um, this one is called the league. So okay. we just slept at that. <laughs> the height of creativity, everybody. <laughs>
Well, let's get into some wrestling. We've we've dilly-dallied long enough. This is going to settle in, everybody. If you like a good story, you've come to the right place. But Ryan, as per usual, if you have any questions, any comments, any concerns, you just let me know, pal. But over the last few WWF episodes, we have seen a combination of Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, and Bret Hart all at war with one another over the course of 1997. In the last episode that we had with the WWF in it, one that really got Ryan upset, as a matter of fact, Shawn Michaels defeated The Undertaker in the very first Hell in a Cell match in October of that year, 1997, courtesy of a big assist from The Undertaker's long-lost brother, Kane. You remember that. Yeah, I I I've reflected and I feel a little bit bad about how I reacted to that match. I think you, but, uh, despite your claims that you were ranking the match as if the ending didn't happen, <laughs> you absolutely ranked that match knowing that that yeah. ending happened somewhere in like the lower yeah. section of okay in like the third. That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah, that did happen. But hopefully yeah. you can kind of put that aside. This is a continuation of that kind of general story happening in the WWF, but hopefully you can kind of look at everything with fresh eyes, but we'll, we'll see. But the most important thing, we're going to kind of brush aside the whole Undertaker, Kane, brotherly rivalry situation, and we're going to focus on Shawn Michaels, kind of what happened with him after his victory in that Hell in a Cell match. So that lined him up for a WWF championship match against Bret Hart the following month at the Survivor Series in Montreal. But the real story behind behind Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart starts about a year and a half prior. So Bret and Shawn started out as friends. They were actually friends behind the scenes, real life. They were buddies, etc. Their careers had followed similar trajectories, with both men being brought into the WWF originally as part of a tag team, not with each other, but they were on their own separate tag teams. And eventually, each of them would break out on their own and began to find success in the singles division, working their way up to being showcased main event level talents in the 1990s. Now, in the Hulk Hogan era of the 80s, both of those men, Brett and Sean, had been considered too small to be stars, but both had worked their asses off, and they established a new, more athletic style of wrestling that allowed them and others to make a name for themselves. In March of 1996, the main event of WrestleMania 12 pitted Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels in a rare good guy versus good guy showdown. Sean was victorious, winning his first WWF title, and that gave Brett the storyline excuse for needing some time away from the ring. In reality, Brett had been going hard for the WWF since 1984 with minimal time off, and he needed some time to heal up as well as to do some side projects with acting, notably a reoccurring role on the TV Western Lonesome Dove, which I'm sure... Uh, Lonesome Dove was always rec- was appointment viewing in the Murphy household when you were growing up. Right next to Boy Meets World. Yeah. Next to Boy Meets World, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, all the hits. <laughs> <laughs> and so the rest of this story that we talk about here today is pretty much all behind the scenes stuff. So buckle up for that. Now, during his time off, Bret Hart's contract with the WWF legitimately expired. It lapsed. And so the WCW came knocking. Despite the fact that Brett was not looking to leave the WWF, for the sake of his family, he entertained the offer. And the WCW, they were making a big pitch. $2.8 million per year for the next three years. At the time, that would have put Bret Hart in rarefied air in pro wrestling in a salary range only occupied at that time by Hulk Hogan. So, I mean, $2.8 million even now is pretty big money. But back then astronomical money just you you can't really say no to three million yeah 1997 so this would have been basically a nine million dollar contract which again unheard of in wrestling at that point in time so that kind of changed things a little bit now while brett's heart see what i did there (laughs) was still with the wwf nine million dollars that's a lot of money to pass up So that put Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWF, in a tough spot. He had already lost Hulk. 
He had lost Randy Savage, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and others, and everyone around him, everyone in Vince McMahon's inner circle was telling him he could not afford to lose Brett to WCW2. I have a question. Yes. Was he losing them to money? Correct. Was he lo- yes. So at that time, and this is actually in my notes, but I'm glad that you asked that. At this time, the WWF, they did not do guaranteed contracts. All your mm-hmm. money from the WWF was all around the gates of the live shows, merchandise, that sort of thing. And if you were a top star, you were making a lot of money. But the only thing you were guaranteed, and I'm, I, I would have to double check this to make sure it's 100% correct, but I believe you were only guaranteed that you would make like 200 or 250 bucks at TV shows. So it was like, a $10,000 a year contract that you were guaranteed. All the rest was like bonuses based on, you know, what the houses were of the shows and stuff like that. It's like the NFL. Basically, yes. And Vince McMahon, yeah. when he would uh, like sign guys up, when he would in- when he would meet up with them and they'd kind of do their interview process and stuff, he made it very clear, I'm not offering you a guarantee, I'm offering you an opportunity. And so when WCW, <laughs> right. And like he, he did fairly compensate guys who were at the top, but yeah, he also fucked yeah. over a lot of people. But the uh, WCW, when they came around, because they were owned by Turner and uh, you know TNT and TBS and stuff like that, they were operating under a corporate structure. They were offering these guys guaranteed money regardless mm-hmm. of how much they worked. If they could not show up to TV, and they'd still be guaranteed that money. So it was a completely different salary structure. And so a lot of guys were like, well, fuck it. I'm going to take the guaranteed money and work less. Yeah, which yeah. you know, I you can't fault any of them for doing that. But I would be that kind of wrestler. <laughs> the Kevin Nash of podcasting <laughs> is Ryan uh, Ryan Murphy. But uh, the only so, reason I'm here is this guaranteed contract we have. Absolutely, like, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad I locked you into that early on before <laughs> yeah. before you really took off personality wise. But uh, so Brett was basically be, uh, being offered this guaranteed money. Everyone around Vince McMahon was like, you can't lose Brett. He's like one of our biggest stars. You cannot fucking lose him. And while at that same time, the WWF, for its part, they weren't in great financial shape overall. And in fact, the previous year before all this Bret Hart salary negotiation stuff had happened, they had actually had all of the water coolers removed from their headquarters. Like, that's how dire shit had gotten. And they had also had all of their... Non rest like all their wrestling guys, so not the actual wrestlers themselves, but all like the kind of guys in charge of like their agents and people on the wrestling side. They were asked to take significant pay cuts until the company rebounded financially. Why the water coolers? It's an expense that they didn't need. That's that's a standout. Like I mean, it seems standout expense. Like they apparently were paying a shitload in water. All right, all right. Hey, you know. (laughs) Were they in Vegas? Well, yeah. Why? Why pay for water when? Hey, just use the fucking tap, pal. I don't know, but yeah, no. The, the water coolers were famously yeah. removed right. from their headquarters, Titan Towers, and like there were people who were asked to take like thirty to fifty percent pay cuts during this time, and so a lot of them, like J.J. Dillon, is a notable person. He actually just said fuck it, and he left to he went to WCW instead. You said that wasn't a wrestler. Oh, what he the, oh, the he wasn't the wrestlers. Also- it was like people who were. And this is kind of where it's also a little fucked up. It's not like the marketing people or like the corporate mm. folks were asked to do it. It was the non-wrestling, non-wrestler wrestling people. So if you were in mm. charge of like creative, if you were writing the shows, fuck you, take a pay cut. If you were mm. one of the ones who was like hiring talent on, fuck you, take a pay cut. Like that Jesus. that's basically yeah. what they did. Okay. But yeah. they were also hurting financially. So like I get it, but yeah, that's basically what where they were at at that point in time. But still, even regarding all that, Brett was viewed as a cornerstone of the company, and Vince opened the purse strings for an unprecedented offer. The WWS contract was going to be for 20 years. <laughs> 20. And, and how old was he? Pardon me? How uh, old was he? He would have been um, right around 40 at this time. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but but this it'll make more sense in here in just a little bit. But it was a 20-year contract, and while it's not known what the exact figures of the contract were, because they weren't a public company at that point in time, it's estimated that it would have been for approximately $10 million in total, with five point one or excuse me, $1.5 million per year at the start. So it would have started uh, as him as a wrestler, and then it basically had a way for him to end his in-ring career, mm-hmm. and he would transition to a behind-the-scenes role for the remainder of his time with the company. Was there... 
I love contracts. Yeah, I know you do. Your eyes perk <laughs> up it? whenever money and contracts come up. Was there any like amount of time that he had to wrestle in this contract? I'm sure they would have probably stipulated number of dates. That was becoming pretty oh, yeah. common in wrestling around that point in time. Now, if guys are injured, back then they didn't do this. Nowadays, a lot of times wrestling companies will tack on time. So like, oh, you signed a three-year contract, but you were out for nine months because you tore your ACL. We're going to tack nine months onto the back end of your contract now. Okay, so it's guaranteed, but they just put it on. That's more of a recent yeah. development in wrestling. Yeah. This I don't think this was happening back then. Okay. But yeah, I'm okay. sure they probably would have right. had some sort of number of dates that was required of him, like amount of time he'd be like, you know, wrestling on pay-per-view TV, that type of thing written into the contract. But yeah, so knowing that he now officially was not leaving money on the table for his family and content with the fact that he would end his career with the same company that he had his first big break, the WWF, Bret Hart happily signed, and he'd be in the WWF for life. Nice. Nice. Good. That's a heartwarming story. Like, Well... Let's uh, let's take a closer look at this situation. Now, while Brett arguably did some of the absolute best work of his career after signing that contract, a number of events began to shake up the company outside of Brett's control. First, the company was still in bad shape financially, with Vince McMahon having taken out a number of loans to help keep things afloat. <laughs> Additionally... In an ego-driven profession like pro wrestling, people are constantly going to be at odds for top money and for top spots. And it's not surprising that Brett's shiny new contract was going to piss some people off who felt that they were equally deserving of that money. Notably, Shawn Michaels, who was estimated to have been making around 750 k at that time. Still good money, but you're literally paying him half of what you're paying Bret Hart, which, as you can imagine, pissed him off. <laughs> Especially because, as we've talked about on the program previously, Shawn Michaels at this, at this time in the mid to late 90s was a pilled up mm. dickhead. Mark McGuire wrestling. Mark McGuire. <laughs> you might even say the Jose Canseco, but it's hard to say. Yeah, that might be, yeah. yeah. Uh, Shawn, whether it be intentional or not, came off as a huge dick in all of this. Between the skirmish that we talked about several episodes ago where Sean accused Brett of having an affair in real life on live TV and then Brett ripped out a chunk of Sean's hair backstage as a result and other pot shots that both men would take at each other on air that crossed personal lines, the relationship between the two was incredibly tense to say the least. This was made worse when several rematches between the two had been scheduled, presumably meant to set up Brett defeating Sean and then forcing a decisive third rubber match between the two down the line, but all those matches were canceled before taking place. The first cancellation in particular was somewhat jarring, with Sean tearfully claiming that he had injured his knee, but more importantly than that, he had lost his smile, and so he would be relinquishing the WWF title as a result. Brett took that personally and felt that Sean was milking and faking his injury to get out of losing a match to Bret Hart. So with no end in sight to the company's financial woes, and with some of the primary shit stirrers in the locker room causing problems, Vince did the only thing that he thought he could do, and he asked Brett to restructure the contract. Now, it's not known what this pitch entailed. It's speculated that the money that Brett was originally going to make at the front end of the deal would actually be moved back to the end of the deal instead. But either way, Brett balked and he refused to renegotiate. This back and forth would continue over the course of the next few months. Eventually, the talks completely broke down. Vince, who felt that he had no other option but to cut costs, told Brett he could reopen discussions with WCW and try and get the deal that they had offered him the previous year. Begrudgingly, Brett Hart restarted those negotiations, and he was able to get an offer for $2.5 million for three years, so slightly less than what he had been offered previously, but still a phenomenal amount of money. Well, so how was he able to back out of that contract? Who, Vince? Yeah. I base I, I and so nobody really knows for sure. I think oh that there probably would have been a, a prolonged legal battle, which wouldn't have been good for 
either party realistically. So I think he basically was like, we're in financial peril. I can't afford to pay you this. We either need to renegotiate, That's... which is again, shitty. Like no one forced him to do that fucking contract, but he, but at this time he had buyer's remorse. He felt like he wasn't getting, you know, what he needed out of the deal for, for better, or for worse. And I think in his mind, it was like, everybody's pissed that they're not making Bret Hart money at me. And I need to do something about this. Jesus, man. Like, this is some drama behind the scenes that you don't get to see on the, you know. This is yes, this is one of the more dramatic sort of moments <laughs> in in professional wrestling for sure. But yeah, so Brett was basically allowed, hey, renegotiate with WCW. He got an offer for two point two point five million dollars a year for three years, and in a development that no one had seen coming a year beforehand, Brett accepted the offer and was now WCW bound. However, there was one teeny tiny little problem that needed to be sorted out. Bret Hart, as we saw in the last WWF episode of the Hardmark podcast here, that's our show, he was still the WWF champion, which meant that everyone needed to come to a consensus on a way that Bret Hart would no longer be the WWF Mm. champion by the time he entered WCW. Vince, for his part, was terrified legitimately terrified about the idea that Brett could take the WWF title onto his rival's show. The WWF had actually already had their women's champion take their belt, the WWF women's championship and literally throw it in the garbage on WCW TV. And it was thought that if WCW got Bret Hart to do the same thing with their world title, that would be disastrous for their reputation. (laughs) This is, this is fucking wrestling right here. This is, (laughs) fucking wrestling shit like this, this would not happen it. today just by like <laughs> so everybody's clear on this like this was a different era where like shit was taken real seriously it's good stuff man like this is this is what i'm here for <laughs> <laughs> the back end of the drama you know like it's not all on the mat it, i mean almost none of it is in this particular case so in vince mcmahon's mind the plan was clear bret hart would lose the WWF title to Shawn Michaels in Montreal at the Survivor Series. And then Brett would gracefully exit the company. And Sha- let me, is Shawn Michaels still on the payroll at 750? Yes. And he's, he's, he's good with that. I think he's, well, I think he's good because Brett's leaving. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. There may be some residual bitterness, but not nearly as much bitterness as like when Brett was literally making double the amount of money that he was making. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got you. So Brett was agreeable with this. So he's like, yeah, I will lose to Shawn Michaels. That'll be fine. And he wanted, on his way out, to try and mend fences when he was leaving the WWF. And in particular, he wanted closure from those issues that had taken place between himself and Shawn. So he approached Shawn backstage... This is not in front of cameras. This is just the two of them talking. And he said how he'd heard about the plan match at Survivor Series. And he said he had no problem putting Sean over, a.k.a. losing to Sean, and dropping the belt to him. And also that Brett had no problem about being a professional and that he would not let their personal feelings get in the way of being safe in the ring. Pretty fucking stand-up dude. Like, like he didn't have to do that. Nice guy. Sean responded. Feels like it's not going in that direction, but like... <laughs> Sean responded. That's the feeling I'm getting. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I appreciate that. But I just want you to know, I wouldn't be willing to do the same thing for you. <laughs> That's- so now, now we have some shit. Now it's become a matter of respect. Sean does not respect Brett enough to be able to be willing to lose to him, which confirms the suspicions that Brett has had for months. And that changes the entire tone of this discussion. And at this point in our story, it's worth mentioning that Brett has quite the ace in the hole in the form of of a provision in his contract that states that he has reasonable creative control in the last 30 days of his deal. (laughs) So now, because Sean was an asshole, Brett is refusing to lose to Shawn Michaels. <laughs> he's he's willing to have the match at Survivor Series, but because of Shawn's disrespect, he will not lose the title to him in Montreal. 
And Vince McMahon, who ordinarily could probably threaten someone with firing them or a breach of contract, he doesn't have a whole lot of leverage in this discussion on account of Brett's creative control. So between the three, a number of alternative options are thrown out. Brett and Sean wrestle to a draw, and then Brett forfeits the title the next night on Monday Night Raw. Brett drops the title to another wrestler on another show, etc., etc., etc. Now, I won't go any further beyond that, because where's the fun in that? But I will say, Vince and Brett came to an agreement for the match to pit Brett Hitman Hart in his home country of Canada, defending the WWF title against Shawn Michaels. And that's what we're going to be watching here today. This is a lot. There's a lot going on. This There's a lot exciting. happening. I, I don't think I've ever like been this excited for a match. Uh, I hope it doesn't disappoint you. We will. We will see. I hope it does not disappoint you. But uh, there is a lot of intrigue happening behind the scenes here. Do you have any questions before we watch? Yeah, like I, I have a bunch of questions. Okay. Um, but like, okay, give me a second. Let me sure. let me re- recap my thoughts. So, uh, yeah. I should say I had a bunch of questions. Um, <laughs> In the last thirty days of his contract, does this does his contract expire before he starts with the new company? Like, is that like how how that works? Like, because he signed a twenty year deal, like, right? So, how does that? He signed a twenty year deal, but then basically Vince McMahon granted him his release from that deal. Basically, so his <laughs> WWF contract ends at the end of November, and his WCW contract begins at the beginning of December. Okay, and you said this took place off camera. Like this, you know, like all the contract shit. Did this officially take place off camera? Do the fans know like what's at stake before this match starts? Like not a well, I think smart. So fans who like subscribe to like wrestling newsletters and shit like that had an idea like you can even hear and if you're listening for it the commentators even announce like there's a lot of speculation. This might be Bret Hart's last match in the WWF, blah, blah, blah. So like it was known to a certain degree, I think that there was probably a good portion. I probably the majority of people didn't necessarily know that this was happening, but mm. there was a, a, maybe thirty to forty percent of the audience were aware that like something was happening. They did not have the level of details that we know now, though. Okay, so this wasn't like promoted as a thing going into this match. It was just like, but yeah. some people kind of maybe it filtered through and like knew this was not a selling point. Like Bret Hart's leaving to go to WCW. No, that was not a selling point of this match. Did people know he was going to WCW? Like or some people not? did, but again, these were like the minority of smart fans who like subscribe to wrestling okay. newsletters and shit. Well, like the smartest that. fans of the game, you know, smartest like. fans. That's right. And you're talking about the smartest. <laughs> we've already established wrestling fans, the smartest fans in all of sports. So when you're talking no. about smart wrestling fans, we're talking genius level IQ. Yeah, Stephen right. Hawking. Okay. Shit. But yeah, some people did know. I think there's even probably some signs in the audience that will, that are referencing WCW and Brett going there. But I don't think a lot of people... It wasn't like promoted on TV like Brett's going to WCW or shit like that. Which, for obvious reasons, you don't want to promote your competition. I feel like this is just a match for like, you know, if you're into corporate drama, you know, like, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, you just want to see this finally play out in a physical form. Like, this is the match you maybe watch. Like, That's yeah. right. If you like uh, Succession, you're going to love Bret yeah. Hart versus Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series 1997. Well said. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's, yeah, I guess that's most of what I had. So. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, uh, I guess I don't really have much for wrestling for the data just because that was a lot of details to throw out to everybody. But Ryan's record, as it stands right now, 36 and 31, one draw. Um, and I th- and you won your last match. You, you, you yeah, I did. Sure. I broke yeah. that streak. I knew that, that was coming. Yeah. yeah. So we don't have to worry about the streak or anything. You can yeah. kind of rest easy that this does not, you know, play yeah. a huge factor in all that. But, you know, I'm, you're a very prideful man. So I'm sure you want to win. Yeah. But we'll yeah. see how, how all this, uh, how all this plays out. But we'll take a brief commercial break. We'll play some uh, audio from the match, and then we'll be back with our thoughts on Bret Hart defending the WWF title against Shawn Michaels in Montreal at the Survivor Series in 1997. Thanks, everybody. Going right here. We thought this was going to get out of hand. All kinds of speculation. 
regarding Bret Hart and his future. Everybody's got the answer. Everybody knows the story. Be ready to move. This is just what you gotta love. It's a good old fashioned fight. It's just a down and dirty fight between two guys that hate each other's guts. We're back. We just we just saw Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels at uh, Survivor Series 1997. What did you think of the match? Oh, the match is all right. <laughs> yeah, like itself. Like if you just look at it as a standalone match, like it was all right. It has some has some good perks, but it, it felt like it I was think- starting to get good towards the end. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It was just starting to get uh, kind of get started, and then when the end happened, well, that was. That was a discussion point. We kind of had to pause. And you can only imagine, like, even, like, big-time wrestling fans, when they saw what was going on, it wasn't especially clear what was happening. Like, it was clear that Sean won, and he won the title. Yeah. But it was a weird, weird... Like, usually when somebody beats somebody, the other guy's, like, down on the ground, he's selling, he's like, oh, I'm so hurt. Like, that didn't happen here. No, I had no idea. I thought, like, it was called off some, like, weird, you know, you can't hit the ref. Or like, right, you right. Know, like there, there was something weird about the ending for sure. Like, so, so I mean, we'll we'll get into this in more detail in a bit. But just, I mean, anyone listening to this, I'm sure is probably already aware of this. This match has come to be known in popular parlance as the Montreal Screw Job, where Vince McMahon took it upon himself to arrange for Bret Hart to be fucked out of the WWF title. Bret Hart did not agree to lose to Shawn Michaels in that match. And so they basically orchestrated it with the referee where when Shawn had Brett in the sharpshooter submission hold, uh, the referee said, oh, he quit, ring the bell. And then he, the referee literally, the moment he said the ring the bell, ran out of the ring, ran out to the parking lot, jumped in a car and got driven away. The referee? Yes. <laughs> that actually, referees are... Like they're in a dangerous spot in any sport. <laughs> yes, you know, like it. Fuck. So I get that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, especially I, wrestling fans in Canada. <laughs> I'll briefly talk about the match, but I think that the end of the match is a, a lot more interesting to talk about, and probably yeah. has a lot more meat on the bone. Um, as far as the match, so so Ryan did pick Brett, which I mean, technically Brett did not win the match. Sean did yeah. by the letter of the law. So unfortunately, that's I, a L for Ryan. Sorry, I'll take that out. I thought there was a lot that could go on in this match. I wasn't fully sure. I wanted him to take it, but... You were questioning it towards the end, for sure. The more you started to think yeah. about everything. Well, I questioned it in the beginning, too, with the whole, like, bell not starting, you know? like Right. There was things going on in this match that, like, you know it's going to be one of those weird ones, but... Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. But, uh, so the match itself, or maybe not, just kind of the, the thing we just watched. So... <laughs> the the attitude era is officially started. We saw a promo touting WWF attitude. That was the very great first promo. Great yeah. promo. I'm six yeah. foot ten, three hundred twenty eight pounds. Ryan, I caught an attitude with that. <laughs> so we've got that. We've got Jr. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler kind of talking up the match ahead of time. We've got the promo video. I mean, I think that that only kind of served to enhance the hype. Uh, of the of the match from our our pre match talk, but then we have Sean. He kind of gets the intro with his DX buddies of Triple H, R- Rick Rude, and China. 
Uh, he comes out. He's doing a lot of Canadian flag stuff. He's humping the flag. He's he's stuffing the flag down the front of his tights. He's blowing his nose on the flag. A lot of Canadian flag stuff. Yeah. Uh, I got to disrespect their country first. Like. I mean, you got to. And then yeah. you got to win the title from their hero. So to, yeah. to really yeah. complete complete this experience, right. you got to do all those things. But uh, Brett then emerges along with his two brother-in-laws, Jim Jim Neidhart and the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Also, his son was there with them. His, if you notice, Oh, was that the guy? Yeah, there was when a little guy the holding yeah. the, the Canadian flag when they were backstage. That was actually his son, Blade, which also makes this uh, an interesting scenario considering that Bret Hart's family was there when they did all this. But anyway, Bret Hart emerges. You liked his entrance. It was very bare bones, very... You know, to the point, but you know, he was there. He had a purpose. They threw on a jacket, you know, to go on. Like, he he threw wasn't on. stripping out of his clothes. He threw, he's, you know, like, hey, like, this is another thing. You know, I got to go do. Right, exactly. Just, my, just my jacket. Just like, another day in the life before I meet yeah. $2.5 million a year here yeah, in 1997. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then they kind of come in. I, I think probably the most glaring thing initially is just the sheer number of signs that were in the crowd. And if you had to take a, a sample size, of the signs in the crowd and like how many of those signs had slurs on them? Uh, 10, 10%, 15% maybe. <laughs> Which is a pretty decent percent. Like, nowadays, <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. For signs with slurs, that's a good, that's right, a good number. Right. And, and I mean, shockingly enough, all of them anti-gay who would have, who would imagined? There's some chance there too. Like That's yeah. right. Those homophobic Canadians who knew. <laughs> So yeah, a lot of and, and so the match start. I mean, the match, quote unquote, the match. They're just brawling ringside. Like they try to brawl in the crowd, and like they do to a certain extent. But like you can't separate the people. They're in such. It's it was reminded me of like a concert, just because people were so tightly packed in. There was no getting through them. So you're basically just fighting on the over on the other end of the barricade for a little bit, and then you fight back on the other side as well. Then they kind of fight up the aisle way for a while. We get a nice view of Vince McMahon. That will probably play a factor into the match as we go along here. But uh, we saw Vince kind of yelling at them to be- get back in the ring. Some referees get knocked out, etc. Finally, the match actually goes back into the ring. Not a whole lot of like moves that are worth calling out. There was a nice inverted atomic drop that you immediately enjoyed sean springing out of like jumping and doing like a twisting turn Trampoline. yeah just every time i get hit hit with a knee in my balls i always do a little twisting flip afterwards that's kind of what i do uh there was a point where sean broke the maple league flag uh and then you would have liked to for him to have stabbed brett with it but he didn't do that he just kind of hit him over the back you want to win or you want to keep going <laughs> you want to finish this fight Stab him with a flag. But yeah, and I think right around this point, you were very confident. And I think right in the middle of this Sean offense is when you made your pick of Brett. Yeah, it's probably pretty, yeah. Right okay. around there. And then for the next, I don't know, five or so minutes, Brett goes on offense. And now Brett's in the lead. And that's when it's all, this is always inevitably how it happens. But Brett, but when the, the guy that Ryan picks is on offense, that's when Ryan starts to become uh, a little unsure of himself. I think in your mind, the ideal scenario would be your guy gets beat up, your guy gets beat up, your guy gets beat up. All of a sudden, big move out of the out of nowhere, pins him one, two, three. Yeah, and that's so. Yeah, I, I do do that a lot, <laughs> just from what I you know what I've seen in wrestling. But what like what made it is when they started chanting like "You're a traitor," mm. and. And so, like, it wasn't a big chant, but it was, you know, it you was could hear it. noticeable. Yeah. And then I was like, shit, you know, this is Vince McMahon's match, even though it's in Canada. Right. Like, with all this going on in the background, it kind of, like, I may have fucked up on this pick. Like, it's unlikely that he is just going to take the belt and then throw it in the trash or, like, <laughs> you know, that's what I, then my, I was like, I, this is, I said it before, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to make my picks later now. Cause I've been going early and I've had that and it's great, but like, I, I kind of want to like leave it to the end, but that's, I was like, fuck, I should have just left it like a couple minutes longer, you know, I like thought about it and then mm-hmm. made my pick. Not necessarily that I would have, you know, I, I still could have gotten Brett, but it would have made, you know, the decision more, uh, more based on what was actually happening. You also mentioned that how like this, is, <laughs> you said out loud, this is the last time I'm picking with my heart next time. Yeah. I'm thinking logically. 
No pun intended. Yeah, yeah. With your Brett, your Brett Hart. My Brett Hart. <laughs> but we'll jump. We'll jump to the end here. So at the very end, referee gets knocked out. So basically, Brett's going off the top rope. Sean pulls the referee in front of him. So the referee gets gets clocked by that. So Sean pulled the re- so Sean made that move that they were like, hey, that's a- yes, okay, yes, because he got hit with he got hit with Brett, but Sean did. Brett technically hit the referee, but it was because yeah. Sean pulled the referee in front of him. Okay. Exactly, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so they're in the referee's down. Sean gouges Brett's eyes. Brett's down on the ground, and then Sean goes for Brett Hart's finishing move, like the the move that everyone knows is Brett Hart's move. He goes for the sharpshooter, crosses his legs. Turns him over onto his his stomach. Referee comes to, which usually when referees are down in wrestling, it's yeah, a couple minutes. This was like less than a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Referee very conveniently, <laughs> and, he, and he looked fresh. After he <laughs> he was so fresh, very conveniently stumbles up to his feet <laughs> as this sharpshooter is happening onto Brett, and then you can even hear it if you're listening to it. Ring the bell. And he immediately hauls ass out of the ring, as we talked about earlier. And not that they show this, but he ran out to a waiting car and immediately drove the fuck away from the building. So, yeah. And so this is the point where I had Ryan pause, because I think if you don't know what you're looking for, for this match, it can be a little jarring and confusing, like what the fuck's actually happening. But yes, Vince McMahon orchestrated the whole thing. If you noticed, so Sean, and you even commented on this, Sean looked pissed at the end of the match. We looked like you didn't know what was going on. Like Right. Yeah. Yes. So that was by design. Now, Sean did know the plan. He was not that plan, though, right? That plan. He knew that plan. Oh, he did know that. Oh, it, Sean knew the plan. Sean knew the plan. Brett, he was acting. Brett. Brilliant. But yes, Sean was pretending as if he didn't know and pretending as if he was pissed off that the match was called early, but he knew the plan. Vince McMahon instructed everyone, pretend like you don't know anything. Like not and not everybody knew. He he only told the people that absolutely needed to know. Obviously the referee knew, obviously Sean Michaels knew. Most people didn't know within the company that that's what was going to happen. So sorry, I don't want Go, no. Brett, Brett, he he did he did not know. This is like No. He didn't know. He did not know. See, that's a crazy thing. Like, he's in this match, I, this sold-out crowd. Right. Huge event. Mm-hmm. He's the main event. Yes. And he does, in his he home, does not... In his home in country his, with his family right. backstage. And he does not know, in, in a sport where you just know... <laughs> Just, in a sport where know. knowing is king, he did like, not they, know. They, they, that's the thing. Like, I, I think in wrestling, like, you have a lot of these events, and... You know, it's, there's some like twist or surprise or like some weird shit that happens, and it's and they're always like, "Oh, I'm, I'm flustered," you know. But yeah. they know. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't. You're. He did not know. He did not know. I mean, you that's, saw him as soon crazy. as the bell rang. He like was yeah. grabbing Sean's leg to try and get but, out. But I can't tell that versus acting anymore. Like watching sure. wrestling, I I fucking can't tell. Right. But that I mean that just makes it a little crazier that yeah, if he really didn't know, like that's yeah. that's pretty what so. All right. So Sean feigning ignorance, acting like he was pissed off as he grabbed the title. Yes. I just want to say during the, he did a really good job because I was even like he looks fucking confused as fuck too. Like right. and he looks kind of like fuck this. Like you know like well and even more than like the audience us watching on TV and like the live crowd. Yeah. You know who that performance by Sean was for really at the end of the day? Hmm. Brett. He was trying to convince Brett that he didn't know because Brett was fucking furious. As we saw, after the match, Brett spits on Vince McMahon. Yeah. You don't (laughs) see the shot. It's come out later. You don't see the shot, but, like, he got him right in the fucking eye, and, like, Vince is like, you son of a bitch, like, wiping. Well, you could could see a fucking, like, huge... Yes. I mean, that was a huge piece of spit, so (laughs) to say. Like, you know, like, I could see it, like, I wasn't even, like, you know, there's a lot going on, but then you just see this huge. So that wasn't planned either. No, no. <laughs> Everything once That's... the bell rang was not like they didn't know what was going to. And so the reason that you have all these officials ringside is because, like, what if Brett goes fucking nuts? And like he did to an extent. But, like, they were worried that he was going to try and get physical with somebody. And so I think that's why you had all those officials ringside is to, like, try and stop if if shit went off the rails. To, to, I. It's weird because, like, 
if you like to do this, there's a lot of people pissed off, you know, like NFL commissioner, like, right. Like to spit in a commissioner's face. <laughs> this is more, like, that is, this is like the owner. There's not real. even like a, uh, uh, like an equivalent in the NFL. This is like, <laughs> I'm trying to think it's of like, who- uh, well, yeah, Roger Goodell. Like you spit in Roger Goodell's face, right? right? Like that, I mean, whole, that is insane. That it, it sure. goes beyond insane. Like, so if this was like, truly fucking like it, it but that's the thing you see what i'm saying it seems like a wrestling thing mm-hmm. to do like it's to but if it's really like you know this is unscripted that's fucking crazy shit like so after he spits in vince's face again vince wipes the spit from his face and you can tell he's pissed basically everyone clears out brett's family like the other because he had three relatives that were also in the fucking company at this time he had two brothers-in-law and his younger brother were all wrestlers in the company they come out they're basically like what the fuck because they were all waiting for their cue to come running out obviously that never happened and so when they kind of showed up after the match they're like they're just like what the fuck just happened there? Because they didn't know either, obviously. You're not going to tell Brett's family. And so Brett, he goes to the ringside tables. Like, we've seen how guys have kind of crashed through the tables and they have those monitors that the announcers will watch during the match so they can see what the, um, you know, the uh, TV audience are seeing. He took the monitors, he just smashed them. He smashed all the fucking TV monitors that were ringside. Then he goes yeah, back. They didn't go very long after the no, match no. They usually do. Yeah, they always. So the WWF will always roll cameras after that, like and and like yeah. that way they have the footage in case they need they need it. This was probably also like for their legal purposes in case Brett like really fucking went wild. And then um, after he smashes the monitors, he gets back in the ring. You can tell he's just fucking pissed and betrayed and just hurt and upset because like I think in many ways he considered Vince McMahon like a father figure to him. And the fact that Vince did that to him was the worst part of the whole experience for him. And so he basically ends the whole thing. He looks at the hard camera, not that the, the pay-per-view's long since ended, but he motions with his fingers, W C W. <laughs> and then eventually nice. goes backstage. I, you know, it's that like thing that like art mimics life, you know, or something like, you know, yeah. it's cause you, you just can't that, that, you could be really pissed and do all that shit, but you just couldn't tell the difference because they do like, that's the crazy thing about this match. Like that is yeah. it. Like, it's just, I'm still trying to like take it in. You know? Sure. Yeah. What no, there's, is, there's a lot it's real, but this is wrestling. And so like, yeah, but that's crazy. Like it's, it was, uh, it's an interesting watch. Last thing I'll say before we get it to our ranking. Cause I, th- cause all this plays into the story of the match. Like, like just seeing what you saw, I don't know if that's like, a great match or even a good match just like on the surface, but knowing everything around the match, it makes it a lo- whole lot more interesting. But as kind of a last little cherry on top of this Sunday. So Brett goes back. Sean's there, obviously. And there's so, and he, there is footage of this because there was an independent company separate from WWF that were shooting a documentary as unfathomable as, as this sounds, there was there is footage of this conversation. Brett goes back. He sits next to Sean. He's like, did you know about that? And Sean's like, I swear to God, I had no idea. I, 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 I swear to God, I had no idea this was going to happen. And so, and Brett just, he took him at his word. Okay. Okay, Sean. And like, I think he doubted it, but he did. He couldn't prove it. So it was like, okay, fine. So then he goes into the shower after his match. He gets word, Vince McMahon's waiting for you. Like he wants to talk to you. He's in the locker. This is right after the match. This is right after the match. There's not footage of this, <laughs> but there is of the Sean and Brett interaction. Brett pokes his head out of the shower. He's like, "Tell Vince if he's not out of here by the time I'm out of the shower, I'm going to knock him out." And then he finishes the shower, comes out of the shower. Vince McMahon's still there. <laughs> Puts his pants on, <laughs> gets up, and knocks Vince the fuck out with one punch. I'd be more scared of him in real pants than wrestling pants. <laughs> That's Vince like, fucked his ankle up upon falling from getting knocked out by uh, by Bret Hart. Yeah, I imagine. I 
And that was uh, that was the end. That was the end of the of the incident. Brett's son was in tears, crying about the whole thing. Brett was understandably pissed off. That was his exit from the WF before he did. Brett's son ever grow up to wrestle? He did not. He did not. No, there were other hearts that kind of made their way into the wrestling business. But I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was because of Montreal. I don't want to speculate like, oh, because of that he didn't. But no, he did. This blade. Oh, he should not- have gone to like redeem his. <laughs> If only, if only, but, uh, that's, that's the end of the match. So that is the Montreal screw job. I would say that there are three matches in modern wrestling history that are like the most famous matches of all time. The first one, Brett versus, or not Brett, uh, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the giant, which was our very first match that we ever saw. Not because of anything spectacular that happened during the match, but it was such a spectacle, biggest match of all time at that time, you know, you know, it was just this unheard of drawing card that even people that weren't huge wrestling fans, you know, wanted to see this just because of all the crazy ass shit and the idea of getting double crossed for real in a match. And then there's a third match that we haven't seen yet, but uh, I have a feeling that'll be happening sometime in the near future. But uh, that's the match. That's the match. <laughs> so now Ryan gets to rank it. The Montreal screw job. Where does that land? I, I was very vested in this match. Like the whole like I you said these notes are gonna be long, but the notes were intriguing. Like those were good, <laughs> solid. That was a good way to spend whatever amount of time was spent on the notes. It was like I hope the Mark Maniacs I, agree. I, I'm a, I'm intrigued by this match. Um I didn't care as much about the win. It didn't come out of no I knew this was gonna be a weird match. Like yeah. Um, I love the backstory. I really, that's my kind of backstory. You know? <laughs> the backstory like just... was good. The after story was good. The match itself, again, I don't know that it necessarily got started. Yeah, the, like the match itself even had like some, at, the, I did like some of the aspects of the match. It didn't have like great high flying moments, but it had like enough where like it was, that's a classic wrestling scene right there, you know? Yes. Like that's was a, a classic it, 97 wrestling scene. And what you're going to get out of it. So I like that. Like, I wouldn't say the match was, like, terrible. I wouldn't even say, like, it was good. It was decent. It didn't blow my mind or anything. Like, but right. it was a decent setting and decent. I, I mean, I'm probably leaning in the top, top 60. I'd say it was, like, I would say it was a great match. Okay. Like, I mean, if you're considering all, like, things that went into it. Um, it's hard not to. I think you have to consider everything that, I mean, if you were just taking it from what you saw visually, can you stop clicking? I think, <laughs> I think then, yeah, it would be way, way lower. But because of all the backstage intrigue and because of all the bullshit happening around it, yeah, you, you have to factor those things in. Absolutely. I don't want to rate, I don't even, like, this is tough. I Mm. <laughs> I don't know like exactly where to put this. I like I want to have it because I mean I, maybe the new number ten. <laughs> how could you? How could you replace Chris Champion versus Don Valentine on our list? Yeah, I have a feeling it's probably a good choice. Then, like, how dare you? Well, that's because you fucked up when you ranked that goddamn match. <laughs> so is that it? Yeah. Is it ten? Yeah, I, th- I I think maybe it could be high. I, that's yeah. Maybe I'm underdoing it, but like it, I was intrigued by the match through and through. Like you know, um, so not trying to place this poorly like I did last time. <laughs> I think you're being fair because again, it's it's weighing everything else around the match versus what you're seeing visually. Like you're having to come yeah. to like a, a a middle ground between those things. So I don't envy you. Like I don't know where I would like if you ask me right now, Eric, rank this match, I don't know where I'd fucking put it. Because like there's so many more matches on this list that I like would enjoy watching more. Yeah. But this is absolutely like a like the idea that Vince McMahon would f- would fuck right. over one of his absolute biggest stars of ten years. Uh, is is wild, and I mean, like, it's yeah. something that could never, ever, ever happen again, because you know, the the belts and everything is not treated like it all. Like, if you had to boil down what happened in that match, it all stems from Vince's paranoia that Brett was going to throw the title in the trash, which Brett never would have done. Like, Brett is a oh, very really? honorable <laughs> man. 
Like the I like I think Vince was paranoid that he was going to get paid like a huge bonus to try and do it. Brett would have never fucking done that. He would have mm. never done that. And then so like that's cause one. Cause two is just Sean being a fucking dickhead and saying like I would never put you over. And it's like, well, fuck you. Why would I lose to you yeah. if you're going to be a yeah. fucking yeah. asshole about it? So like it's it's yeah. those two things that and like there would have been a million other ways that you could have done. You know, had that match and like. They go to a draw. Brett even fucking beats. Like, you're the fucking boss, Vince. Tell Sean you need to fucking lose. And then Brett can right. lose to, to Sean the next night or whatever the fucking case may be. A lot of different ways to go about it. But yeah, yeah. just a combination yeah. of events that would have, that will never happen again and is nuts in hindsight. But yeah, that's the match. New number 10, everybody. New number 10. Let's, let's decompress a little bit after, after that shit, huh? Let's, uh, let's finish. Let's finish the Montreal Screwjob episode out with a little bit of a segment that uh, I like to call, and Ryan likes to call it too. He doesn't call it this to my face, but he knows that I like it when he says it. I don't know where I'm going with that. God damn it. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Eric's wisdom tree. Say it, Ryan. I won't get the same echo. No, you don't get the same echo. You're yeah, right. right. uh, wouldn't be, I, if I was in person, you know, I'd. Yeah, next time. Yeah. Next time. Maybe. Maybe soon. Maybe soon. We. We. T- as long as Ryan doesn't stand me up again. As long as Ryan doesn't give me a Lake Stevens screw job, then uh, I think. Uh, <laughs> I think there may be. It's known for that. Oh man, there's one I really want to do, but I know this is that this warrants a longer conversation, so I'm not going to do it right now. So I'm just going to do a quick one. because What is, is it? What, the long one? I mean, I'm sure it's not that long. The one I want to do? Just do it. Fuck it. You say this. <laughs> this is, I have a feeling this it is long. It can't be as long as your notes, Eric. I think it's important for the Market Maniacs to know that it is possible to vomit up poop. Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's a term for this. It's called feculent vomiting. I mean, I don't know, like, what, <laughs> what insight you want me to provide. I, I, I don't, like, um, and is it because it all runs through the same intestinal tract? Like, I mean, you could, I guess you could point to that as kind of like a, a cause, sure. But, I mean, there's, like, besides that, though, I mean, it's very rare that this can happen. But, yes, it is technically possible to throw up poop. I just sent you a link. Uh, but basically, uh, if you... <laughs> <laughs> this is such an Eric link. that I. It's not, like, the link is, like, some hot chick with holding her stomach, like... Hold on, hold on. Why is that an Eric link? It's, it's, and then and then it's some hot chick in some short shorts and you know like a nice shirt and then the right below it can you throw up poop she's holding her stomach ryan her attractiveness yeah. is not the issue the issue is she's holding her stomach because she's about to throw up poop feculent no, vomiting it's, yeah this is eric link right there that's the most eric link this is not the appropriate ending to the Montreal Screwjob episode, or maybe it is. I don't know. I'm not here to fucking tell people what uh, the thing is. But yeah, if there is a, a complete or partial blockage of your intestine, most common in the small bowel, Ugh. an obstruction God. of some kind, that can cause you to throw up uh, poop. I felt a little backed up the last couple of days. I've been waking up at 3.30 a.m. And shit. yeah, I haven't had time to take my morning, you know, like, shit to like so now i'm concerned that that would fuck me up for the rest of my life if i ever did that like would you put that on your tinder (laughs) interest throwing up poop god i just yeah here's some here's some causes though ryan would you like to know the causes yeah uh scar tissue so after like abdominal or pelvic surgery Inflammation, such as Crohn's disease or diverticulitis, uh, hernia, impacted feces. That's that's a that's a hard mark favorite. Twisting of the intestine. I don't even know how to say this word. Intussusception happens when the intestine pulls itself <laughs> inward into itself and is a common cause of blockages in children, colon cancer or tumors, foreign matter in the intestines or other conditions or injuries. So yeah, all of these things 
can cause you to throw up poop. So I was going to go poop right before this podcast. So I think I had time. Now I wish I did. You should have. You know? I mean, I'm I'm ha- I'm happy to hang out here and just wait <laughs> for hours. Could be a while. Yeah. If you it's just, I, I can, I've got a good shot of Ryan's bed right now, Markomaniacs. If you just agree to sleep towards the camera, I'll just wait here and see if you feculently uh, vomit. I think it'd be. I think that would be um, like scarring. Like like. Do I dare, Ryan? <laughs> do i dare google image search this yeah yeah you do i haven't eaten yeah. dinner yet by the way i've not eaten dinner yet no just i don't know about this yeah no you should probably like it, if i do this will you move to miami <laughs> just call it back <laughs> uh actually my friend just google image searched <laughs> feculent vomiting so now i have to take this job this is welcome me with open arms after that like all right i'm doing it Okay, yeah. I'm doing it. Maybe, I, maybe you shouldn't even Google search. Maybe you should like, uh, like search it on one of those like lesser search engines that are a little nastier. Ask Jeeves. Yeah, like some like Google's pretty like tame. Maybe you should. Oh, okay, yeah. There, I mean, seen? there's not a lot of stuff. A lot. This fir- the first thing is just like a cartoon, but there is stuff where it's like, oh god. Uh, it's like a camera down someone's like esophagus, like going down like their mm-hmm. throat, I'm assuming. And you can see like it looks more like sewage than like a chunk of poop, which I guess would probably make sense. It would be like, I think even like it would be worse, like pre vomiting, right? Because it's just a chunk of poop, like right there. Like you have, like, you know, you have like Harper, you got a bird, like. It's just right there, like just a big chunk. We have, you've officially, no one's listening to us anymore. Officially, everybody has turned this fucking podcast <laughs> off because of your graphic description of getting uh, heartburn. It'd be better to get it out. Like. Last poop thing. Uh, this isn't even in my, my notes of stuff to talk about. Did you know, Ryan? And I don't know if this is even a thing anymore, but when I was back in school, when I got my bachelor's degree, because I'm a well-learned man. I learned that uh, Mexico City, they had a bit of a problem on their hands, Ryan. Did you know that their uh, their their sewer system was so bad in Mexico City that at one point in time, uh, the, the sewage would uh, burn off into the atmosphere and then would come down as fecal snow? Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, that sounds wrong because I don't know how often it snows in Mexico City. <laughs> Well, I'm saying that it would it would work its way into the atmosphere, and yeah. then it wasn't snow snow, it was poop. Rain, just poop rain. Poop snow. It was coming out of flakes? It, yeah, like flakes like that would like drift down like snow. Oh, God. Yeah, this was in, uh, I don't remember what class I took that I learned about this, but yes, fecal snow, feculent vomiting, fecal snow, everybody. You're number one. I want to say. Yes, please. Please. That we should... We should appreciate the fucking sewer system and the infrastructure that we have right now. Like, no one talks about it, but, like, <laughs> we, we basically get to, like, take a shit or piss, and that just all gets cleaned up, and we just drink it again. Like, you know, it's, like, no one talks about, like, everyone's, like, computers and airplanes, but, like, what about our sewage system, you know? Like, Everyone. that's fucking... That's fucking crazy, you know. Like, yeah, everyone's like iPhone twelve. When in reality, right. they should be talking. Hey, sewer system. Right. It's a. It's incredible. I just. I just think it deserves a shout out to the people who designed it. That's right. And the people who maintain it. Like you know, like it's incredible shit. Like we should be thankful, and hopefully, it comes out our butts, not our mouths. You know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I. I. If. Not that beggars can be choosers here. If I had to make a request, yeah, maybe design it so that I can flush a flushable wipe. But besides that, pretty solid work overall, I would say. But on account of all those fine folks in the sewage sewage industry, yeah, I mean, honestly, honestly, to I mean, to your point, I just use toilet paper and go take a shower. Like you know, like that's no, like you, you don't, don't need to make their job any fucking hard they've already done a pretty nice job you can flush paper down that toilet and it dissolves and then you have drinking water this like, is just special paper like, it's not don't like fucking you're, you're you're i mean you're being nitpicky like you know, well you know what i've had right? to do now because of all this is, is to extend the longest episode of this podcast of all time <laughs> i've started 
when I need to wet, wet wipe, I'll wipe it and then I'll just put it in the trash. And I had to buy special garbage cans that have lids on them. Otherwise, people were just looking at my like shitty wet wipes just sitting there in the open air garbage can. I've never. So, I mean, there's I don't. OK, there's t- one. I don't think there's ever a need to like. I mean, if you want to you're, you're doing it the correct way, at least you're not like clogging the fucking system. But like. I mean, I don't want a special garbage can to do that. Like, or like, you know, just, like just I said, w- d- I, you know, use regular toilet paper, take a shower. The other one, just get a bidet. Like, that's it. Like, you know, I don't disagree. I, I've, I've long. I mean, that it's, it's, it's weird that we haven't adapted this bidet system. Like, right. And not a European one. Gotta go to Japan. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I'm not sitting in a sink. <laughs> You just you're just hitting us all. I I feel like I'm not even getting Prime Ryan. Prime Ryan's just now starting to come out. Whoever call you're on with next, they're getting the Prime version of Tequila Ryan. <laughs> I'll let them know. I'll let them know early that day. Yeah, please yeah. let them know. Hey, this next 45 minutes, you're getting the best <laughs> version of this guy right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, with that said, we'll be back with Rumpus Time on October 20th. It's fall. Hopefully, it's fucking less hot than it is right now. I guess we'll find out. But if you're not hard, get hard. Once you get hard, stay hard. Uh, I don't know. I remember how I end this. Um, that's all, folks. That's all, folks. <laughs> Ryan did it. <laughs> Ryan did this time. Fecal and vomiting. Thanks, everybody. Fantasy basketball's fucked up. Uh-huh.